0: It's lovely to be here, Sandra and I. And I'm Stephen Cook, and the better half is sitting next to her daughter-in-law, uh, Sandra. Um, so it is, it's lovely to be here. I know that also there are people watching online, among whom is my, our daughter, we understand. Uh, and there will be others from England as well in, in due time who will be joining you from today. Um, Let me just pray. Father God, we are so grateful for the privilege not only of gathering together but of being together in your presence. We thank you for the wonderful gift of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, Amen. the one who has called us into his family and into his presence and to be part of his body. And I pray, Lord, that as we are together, as we draw together closer as family, that, we will, that there will be a flow of your life To each other and from each other to a world which is desperately in need of your life so we pray that as we share your word together Lord that you will bless it you will break it as bread to hungry souls as water that is refreshing to each one of us in the name of Jesus Amen. I used an expression just a moment ago then as we share the word of God together. <clears throat> because one of the things that I believe is that unless what happens here is shared among all of us and with all of us, then it will actually not go any further than this auditorium. But if it is shared among us, then you and I will take it from the building into our world, and you and I know very, very well that those people that we meet on a daily basis or an occasional basis, they need Jesus Christ as much as we do, and we want to take him with us as the shared bread of life. But I just, I just want to preface what I want to say today by, by just asking a question, a couple of questions. Why have you come today? Come to worship. It's good. But I want to ask just a little corollary to that. Why do you gather at any time in a building on a Sunday morning? You know, this morning, I know John was up very early. Um, I got up just a little after he went out. Not too long after that, the dog was led out into the yard when most of the neighborhood were firmly in their beds. I'm sure they really appreciated the fact that the dog was allowed into the yard. So what, what is the reason? What is the reason? And I know that many of you already know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And if you do, you are part of God's ecclesia, you're part of God's called out ones. So why do we gather? Well, Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three are gathered in or into or for my name, there I am among them. Now that verse is spoken in the midst of people being drawn together to say sorry to each other, to, to be able to be reconciled together. And one of the things about us as Christians is that we have been first reconciled to God, that we might be reconciled together. But above all of those things, Hebrews 2 verse 9 says this, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We gather ultimately because Jesus crucified risen from the dead, suffering the ignominy of dying on a cross and being put into a cold tomb, but rising from the dead because He is in the midst. And He is our center of attention and must remain our center of attention. And so when we come together, it is to to be repurposed in centering our gaze once again on our lovely Savior. Can I say that one of Alliance's greatest gifts to the Body of Christ is A.W. Tozer. Now, some younger people may not have heard of him, but if you haven't, then get the old ones to tell you about him and to recommend the books that he wrote. But I, the thing that just strikes me about this man is that—and I'm, I'm going to use a cookery term—he was marinated in the Word of God. He just soaked himself from the moment he got saved, he soaked himself. He marinated himself in the Word of God. Uh, and, and certainly it can be said of him that his purpose in life was the pursuit of God. He put aside the pursuit of most about everything else, and his pursuit was God. It coloured everything he did in his Christian life. And if you if you want a, a title for what I, I just want to share this morning, it's uh, it's time for a brew. Um, and you could say of Toza that he was a brew man. He 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 was he was brewed in the Word of God. It got into every fiber of his being. And you know, we will only experience God's purpose being fulfilled in our lives if we take time in his presence, if we wait upon the Lord. And I I know that before this service concludes today, that you will have an opportunity. If you don't already know the experience of being brought into the life of Christ, that that opportunity will be given to you. Just some verses that I I want to read. Uh, In Isaiah 40, 27 to 31, and then Psalm 92. So Isaiah 40, 27, it says, "'Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, "'My way is hidden from the Lord?' And my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the world. He doesn't faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. And young men shall be exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then Psalm 92, 12. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like the cedar in Lebanon, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. I think when John asked me to preach here this morning, it was uh, to preach from the, uh, the viewpoint of being older, and uh, you can tell by my hair or lack of it in places that I am. Um, and, uh, but I, I, don't, I, I just felt I didn't want to just concentrate on the aspect of being older. Because our strength being renewed, as we've just heard from the Word of God, is for younger people as well. It's for every one of God's people, whatever our ages. But but can I say to older ones, particularly, because sometimes physically we feel depleted, and therefore that can affect our mental uh, organization, but it can also affect us spiritually as well. So God particularly as well wants to say to us who are older, let's wait upon him and have our strength renewed. Uh, I don't know whether you heard about a particularly remarkable man uh, in, in England in uh, 2020, who came to the attention of the, uh, not just the British public, but a, a wider public as well. Uh, and he, he ended up raising over a million pounds, that's about a million and a half Canadian dollars, for charities linked to the national, our nat- National Health Service. But what is remarkable about this man is that he was 99 at the time. And all he set out to do was to walk 100 times around his garden before he was 100. It's all he set out to do. But within a few sh- short weeks, he'd done that, so he just kept going and going and going. And people gave to the charities that uh, he was uh, trying to enable. Uh, And well before he was 100, he'd raised over a million. But having reached his goal, he kept going. So if God gives you a goal, don't think that's the end of it. Keep going. He'll give you a new goal. He'll give you a new insight, no matter what your age. This is not about a a terminus or, or being our terminal. It's about God giving us those new goals. And even in his older age, he flourished. And can I say this morning, it's time for us to have a brew. Like he was a man who flourished because he was, he'd was, he brewed his life over a long period. And whatever our age marinating in God's presence will bring us into the place where we can say with Isaiah, I saw the Lord. And can I remind you that things do take time? It takes minimum of nine, usually nine months for... A baby to be born from conception to birth or from the decision to have a baby to the birth why does it need those nine months well I think as much for the mother to gather strength as for the baby to grow within the womb when you look at biblical figures Moses marinated in God's presence for 80 years. So did Abraham. When you think of Jesus, 30 years. You think of Paul, the apostle, 30 years. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament, 13 years marinating, brewing in God's presence. And by and large, we've, as Western nations, we've lost the art not only in terms of tea and coffee. We go for this for the quick instant. This takes a little bit more time. I'm, I'm assuming, Dee, that these are beans, are they? Yeah, these are beans, so they are an even bit longer time to get a cup of coffee out, but you know the difference between the two. You know the people of God must reject the instant and show the world that His way, that God's way, releases us from the fear of missing out. FOMO. Now, it's only a couple of years since I actually found out what that meant, to be honest. (laughs) Some of you you have known a lot longer, the younger ones. Fear of missing out. Why are there so many adverts on the television for new phones, new cars, new computers, the latest this, that, and the other? Because they want you to have a fear of missing out. But it could be anything, it could be the new anything. As God's people, we need to be different. You know, a thoughtful answer is of more value than an off-the-cuff remark. And in these scriptures that we read together this morning, there are four important words. Wait. We don't like waiting. don't like waiting for, I mean, we call them buses, transits, whatever you call them here. Waiting for a bus. And sometimes one doesn't come that's supposed to come, so you've got to wait for the next one. We don't like waiting for a our meals, from the drive-through, we're not good at waiting, but what it says, the people who learn to wait on God are the ones who renew their strength. The youths can be faint and weary, young men can be exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint you know that sometimes waiting can be purposeless now I don't know about you but whether your buses run on a, on a Christmas Day but in in Britain they don't so if I wanted to get somewhere uh, across town Um, On Christmas Day, it's no good me going to the bus stop and waiting for a bus. The only way is to put my shoes on and start to walk. And that's got a purpose to it, to get to the other side. Waiting for a bus will be a hopeless, depleting wait. But when God says wait. He doesn't just say wait. He says, wait upon the Lord. Wait for the Lord. And that's not a depleting wait. It's an uplifting wait because as we wait, we are built up. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So while we wait, our God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace in believing. You know, God doesn't do things in half measures. And this hope that is God's gift to those who wait on Him is a renewing hope, not a depleting hope. But you can do something even while you're waiting. What did David do in the midst of the most difficult of situations? He encouraged himself in the Lord as part of his waiting. So while you're waiting and you're thinking, when is God going to help me through this situation, begin to, we, we can begin to encourage ourselves in the Lord. But the results are not always instant. When you re- read Romans 5, verse 3 to to 5, it tells you about a process, and there is a process to go through. But it's not a static, motionless thing. It's a heart attitude towards God. I was thinking. Um, <clears throat> now, John said uh, I was going to I was going to use the word soccer. He said, "Yeah, football is the proper term." Uh, <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to use the word football, but not, a, not the American style. Um, every every football team that plays against each other, they ha- the two most important players on the pitch are not the ones who get the most money. They're the ones who stand between the posts, the goalkeepers. Now, you may think, sometimes they they don't earn their money because they may not do a great deal, but they're watching every single thing, every move that goes on that their team make and the opposite team make. Because if they didn't, and you see these funny videos, somebody will just go and lob the ball over their heads into the goal because they haven't been Waiting in a proper manner. You know this word "wait" that you use is, is the, the picture is of somebody picking up all those things which are valuable to them in a bundle, and that's what God wants to do with us. We are valuable to him. We are his treasures, and he wants to pick us up in the bundle of his love, if you want, so that that waiting becomes profitable to all of us. And the results of waiting are are described in such vivid terms, aren't they? Soaring like an eagle, and how wonderful it is to see those huge birds of prey Where we live, we don't have huge birds of prey, but we have uh, red kites, which are quite big, and they just put their wings out, and they just go. Running like a marathon runner, walking without weariness. Now, I'm a walker. I'm not a runner, and I'm not a soarer in those terms. Uh, uh, John always liked to climb, but uh, my— I like my feet on terra firma, and the more firmer, the less terror. <laughs> but I love to walk, and and uh, uh, I I can just walk. I'm not saying I never get weary; I do sometimes. But what a promise spiritually! It's, you know, it's keeping going when others would, oh. Uh, sag by the wayside, so there's waiting and being renewed. And then Psalm 92 says, the righteous are planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of our God. The two words that are here are planting and flourishing. Now, somebody asked, am I the gardener this morning? And, and I said, I do it because it's there. Um, and some of you might feel like that about your yards. You do them because they're there. There are others who absolutely just love the whole aspect of gardening. Um, but I'm not one of those. I like the results. That's what I like, and one thing I do know is that when I plant something, it's no good six weeks after I've planted it to pick it up out of its pot or out of it where it is in the garden and put it somewhere else. I mean, that, that would be sheer stupidity. But sometimes, you know, in God's house, that's how we are. We think, oh, we can just go somewhere else. Not, and we end up not being planted in the house of the Lord. Now, that's not a de- in a denomination. It's not in a building. It's not just in a certain, within a certain group of people. But it's in the house of the Lord. It's among God's people. And one of the things that happens even between plants and, and soil is that there is a mutual interchange of nutrients. Did you know if you plant uh, any particular crop, whether it's peas or beans or potatoes, constantly year after year after year, the, pl- the, the ground can become barren. And so you have to plant a different crop to renew the earth. And there needs to be that mutual interchange. But also, to change the metaphor, when we are planted in the house of the Lord, there's a mutual interchange of nutrients between us. We receive, and that's why where I started. We need to receive the Word of God for ourselves and, and then for it to be in a kind of shared nutrient where we can share with each other what God is doing and saying to us. Nowhere in the Word of God does it tell us or teach us that God's people are meant to walk alone, but we are meant to be with other members of the body. And that applies in families as well. And one of the things that saddens me is that um, particularly in UK education, uh, teachers at one time would would be in it for life. They They would often be in the same school and just work just faithfully and strategically building up the school and the children and the pupils and students. But now if you stay in a job more than two years, there's something wrong got to be moving on and I don't personally don't think that's great for uh, education. And every picture that the Bible uses talks about that sort of interchange, a building, a body, an army, a flock, a nation, a family as God's as Christ's body, we, don't, we can't say, I don't belong, neither can we say, I don't need you, tells us in 1 Corinthians 12. And one of the things that has happened in these last three years is that because we couldn't gather, we relied on the, the wonder of technology, and thank, we thank God for that. But, you know, it was easy when we could gather, not together. It was a, a safer, but also not just a safer option, but it was a soft option. We didn't have to interact, but we need each other. Sandra and I felt exactly the same. You know, I don't stand here to say that it it didn't affect me or, 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 or Sandra and I together. But we made that decision because we feel the mutual benefit of gathering in the same room at the same time with loving brothers and sisters. It's time for a brew. And the result will be that we flourish. We put ourselves in the place where the Word of God will flow among us. I I mean, the psalmist has a a really lovely turn of phrase. Um, They will be fat and flourishing, Um, not physically, I hope, but uh, it's the sap will always be rising and invigorating as a challenge for all of us in a season of Great stress for for the nations of the world. As Christians, are we resourcing ourselves by waiting on the Lord and knowing the daily renewing of our strength in Him? Are we making sure that we are planted in the house of God so that we can flourish with a constant and consistent fruit? And it's time for a brew. Do we want to be a church that is prophetic to our nation your nation and my nation not seen as pathetic and judgmental then God's way is the only and best way for strengthening and flourishing in the household of God and this will honor and glorify our Savior and be a blessing to our world around us it's time for a brew. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Word will be deeply implanted in all of our lives, Lord, and that there will be that sharing of nutrients, the one to the other. We will be able to bless each other with your word, that it will flow through us and from us. Lord, most of all, I pray for those who as yet have not given their hearts and lives to you to be their Savior and Lord, that you will draw them now into that place where they surrender themselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.